You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Episode 21, The Paradox. Welcome to The Paradox with your attending, Dr. Eric Larson. He is a practicing anesthesiologist and clinical assistant professor at Michigan State University College of Human Medicine. Listen in as he takes you behind the scenes of what practicing medicine in today's ever-changing world is like with another doctor. The Paradox is a fun and accidentally informative show for physicians, patients, or anyone who has ever found themselves in a waiting room. Welcome, I'm your host, Dr. Eric Larson. This is episode 21 of The Paradox. Today we're going to be talking to Dr. Nish Koka about public reporting. It's actually a strangely a rarely reported phenomenon in medicine. But specifically, public reporting involves the reporting of statistics on hospitals, either uh, as a state function or sometimes um, a federal function. And so hospitals and providers will have to um, provide outcome data for, say, their surgeries or certain types of conditions like diabetes or heart disease or strokes. And what this, course, causes is some interesting phenomena in medicine where it discourages you from taking care of difficult patients and cases. So as you can imagine, if you don't want your numbers to look bad, you'll avoid taking care of the people who are more sick. And oftentimes it's very difficult to tell who is and isn't sick from a, from a two-mile-up-in-the-air kind of look down on the world. To providers in the actual in the field who are assessing patients, it's pretty easy to, to figure out people who are going to be at high risk and those who are not. And so if someone is a higher risk they may be stratified within the reporting system as sort of the same kind of level, you're going to be discouraged from taking care of that patient because the likely outcome is going to be worse, and therefore your institution is going to look worse, or you personally, as maybe, say, a surgeon. And why that matters is not because most patients look these things up, but it's because that these are looked up and used by the government when it comes to payment. And they'll penalize institutions, which could be worth millions, tens of millions of dollars, sometimes even hundreds of millions of dollars. And so the stakes are very high in this sort of game of reporting. And so what happens, of course, is that it discourages people from being cared for. Oftentimes, the people who have the least ability to protect themselves, because uh, obviously if you're someone who is important, let's say you know the president or some senator or someone who gets sick, everything's going to be done for you. You know, public reporting 
No one cares. But they're absolutely going to care about outcomes if you're just Joe Schmo off the street. And so for a person who is not in medicine, this is, I mean, this can't be any more important. So anyway, we're going to talk about Dr. Coca, who is, has written extensively on this and other subjects in healthcare. He has a co-host of his own podcast, which we'll talk about in a little bit during the show. But a couple um, housekeeping things to take care of first. Uh, as always, you can go to patreon.com slash the paradox, and there you can support the show. All the money raised there goes towards the production and the promotion of the show. I appreciate the patrons not only for their financial support, which helps pay for all this stuff, but also for the encouragement. Uh, as you probably know, there's been some difficult times in my family, and so the, not only have you, the listener, but those patrons have provided a lot of um, very encouraging support, and I appreciate that. So I'd, I'd encourage you to go there and sign up and becoming a become a patron. Uh, that will allow you the opportunity to get a hold of some bonus materials, not only some interviews I've had in some other podcasts, but soon I will be producing new content, and I'm going to pull all the patrons, so heads up, guys, uh, to find out what kind of things you'd like, whether it's a five-minute rant on something once a week on medicine or whatever, whatever you guys are interested in hearing from me. So I'll start providing that pretty soon, so that'll be an added bonus for those who are supporters on Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com. Show notes for today's show can be found at theparadox.com slash zero. 21. Uh, I can't believe I'm actually all the way to episode 21, uh, 21 weeks into the show and going strong. I appreciate all the referrals that people are making and sharing with your friends. Clearly, the show is very, far more popular than I anticipated being at this point, although I'm far from going viral, as my late son would always tease me. Uh, I definitely appreciate all the people listening. So without further ado, Dr. Anish Koka and public reporting. Enjoy. Well, hi, I'm here with Anish Koka, who's a physician out in Philadelphia, the area. He's a cardiologist, and he is a co-host of the Akkad and Koka Report. I'm not sure how you got second billing, but I suppose uh, Michelle just claimed it was because he had came first in the alphabet, I suppose, right? But, <laughs> exactly right. Uh, he uh, writes extensively on the healthcare blog and medical economics. You can find his pieces on healthcare sort of all over, and he's active on Twitter as well. And I have discovered that Dr. Koko is not active on Facebook, so <laughs> that's a good way to get a hold of you. But thank you so much for being on tonight. Oh, thanks for having me. So today, uh, it's interesting. I, I've, I tell people all the time that when I started this podcast, this is going to be episode 21. I, for one thing, didn't think I had more than four or five episodes in uh, that I had in, in sort of in the can. And then it wasn't before long, you start running to all sorts of different subjects. I know you've got a health care um, podcast as well, which is really excellent. I'd highly recommend anyone to listen to as oh, well. Uh, but do you find that too, where you just, you think you've sort of, you've got like four ideas and then before you know it, you've got eight or 10 because there's so many <laughs> sort of pop up. Yeah. And it kind of Twitter kind of does that to you. You know, it's like, it's very hard to focus on any one specific thing because uh, every, you know, every uh, seemingly every 15 minutes, there's some other uh, issue that's being, uh, that's being raised. It's like, oh man, like I have, I have something to say about that. <laughs> right. I mean, that's what I think has been great about the podcast. It is a, it is a great avenue. Well, like I've said before, I have very few artistic talents. I can't draw. I can't sing. Um, I can't write really well, but I can, I can talk. Okay. And I've got, I think, interesting take on things. And so it certainly gives you an avenue to get to, to teach people. I mean, we don't have, we don't focus on physicians here, except the fact that there are two docs on, 
uh, but it's the focus on just medicine, which I think is to even the layman is pretty interesting, especially the things we're talking about, which I absolutely affect everybody because everybody at some point has contact with medicine. Yeah, no, no, absolutely true. Today, I, I want to talk to you about uh, one of the pieces you've written. And you, again, like I said, you've written quite a bit. So um, I'd recommend people just check out, check you out and kind of find all the things you've written. You wrote an interesting piece on medical school. We won't talk about that today. We're talking about pu- public reporting because it's something that's not, um, I don't think it's very well known to, to most people. I think most people recognize there is public reporting of, of consumer, um, I guess, ratings of things. You know, if you go to Amazon, there's a five-star rating, and certainly that's right. becoming more prevalent in medicine as well. You know, when you see, the, if you try and search any physician to try and find something, like the 12th hit, if you're lucky, is going to be um, the actual, the practice. The first 10 are going to be, you know, these... <laughs> whatever um i can't even think of the like health healthcare.com and all these sorts of different right, um right. rating systems that always have like one rating on you or something <laughs> right exactly um but public reporting is a little different and so why don't you just kind of go into the background of what it is and then why it should matter to someone who um who doesn't know anything about it yeah you know the desire for public reporting goes back a long way um yeah, there's this idea that um, uh, there's a lot of healthcare being delivered in the country, and we have to find some way to signal to the consumer, you know, signal to the patient uh, what is high value and what is not. So, um, you know, so as far back as 1984, uh, when CMS used to be called Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, is currently called CMS, uh, used to be called uh, uh, the Healthcare Financing Administration or the HCFA. Um, it started to publicly report hospital mortality rates of Medicare patients. And, you know, the agency identified uh, 250 hospitals or so that were outliers with regards to death rates. And they just put that out for the public to, uh, you know, for public perusal. And, you know, as is the common theme, though they attempted to ad- adjust for a variety of risk factors, it was heavily criticized by the, by the hospitals and the physicians at the time. And eventually they just stopped publishing the data. Um, but there's clearly a desire and a demand for some type of reporting um, uh, of providers and of hospitals. And so, you know, the next iteration for it, and, and, I, and, I, and I will posit, and I'm fairly firm in this belief that part of the big push for it is not necessarily from patients, but I, I think one of the major pushes is, is from uh, folks that are interested in uh, bending the uh, healthcare cost curve. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, New York and Pennsylvania, I'm a physician who's been pra- practicing and who practices in Philadelphia. Um, New York and Pennsylvania followed suit and they started reporting um, uh, public uh, uh, card- uh, cardiac surgery outcomes. And, you know, it's specifically uh, the Pennsylvania Charter, for instance, was the Pennsylvania Healthcare Council. And they were specifically. Uh, charged with improving the quality of care and restraining healthcare costs. Um, And so, you know, you have these, you have these two kind of, they can be competing and they can compete against each other. Um, And, you know, they have these, they they have these public kind of uh, 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 every year they put out these report of what expected mortality should be based on, you know, risk of patients that are being done. And what, um, and, and then, uh, you know, the, the public then can see that. 
mostly the public ignores it. But what happens is that some some journalist in some local paper will pick it up and pick up pick you up as an outlier, and then scream headlines saying, "Aha! You know this hospital down here is." is an outlier in terms of this, that, you know, in order right. to generate a lot of buzz. So, so, you know, so that's, that's kind of, so public reporting now is everywhere. Now, I mean, the, mo- the most, the, the most recent iteration, I guess, would be uh, what ProPublica did. ProPublica took uh, a bunch of uh, data that's publicly available and using some proprietary algorithm that they have with some input from a bunch of healthcare, healthcare policy folks uh, came up with a surgeon specific um, you know, a kind of ranking system. Right. And they put this all out there as well. And, you know, the, the video, I mean, for any, anyone listening, I mean, physicians especially who are listening, um, the video that ProPublica put out, uh, you know, in terms of the teaser trailer for, hey, use this public reporting system to figure out, who you, uh, you know, figure out where to go. It, it's like this ominous, you know, ominous soundtrack about 400,000 people every year die because of the medical <laughs> system and how will you figure out whether you know where to go you know the, the decision is life or death and you right. know here hey here we have this like beautiful system that tells you you know uh, where to go so so that sorry i'm it's a very long answer to your no, uh, question but but that so that that's that's kind of where we're, we're at with uh, you know uh, public uh, public reporting you have a bunch of you have all sorts of folks that are you know uh, pushing out these ranking systems of healthcare systems um, uh, for uh, the public to kind of peruse and make decisions on healthcare based on that. Right. And so it becomes very complicated because uh, if you, it's not like um, uh, I, I guess when you, when you're looking at tr- outcomes, it's not like ranking a Ford Explorer or a Toyota Prius or something like that, because you don't have something that's mass produced that has reliable sort of, components and you have expectations for how everything works right. because you know we're both physicians and and uh everybody is completely different they respond differently to medications they have their disease process presents differently they have totally different backgrounds and so to try and stratify uh, risks and outcomes is really difficult i mean I, I i can't stress enough how how hard it is and and in it's not like it's not possible. It is, there is a way to sort of figure out what is high quality and low quality healthcare, I suppose. But to get very specific, I think it's probably an impossible undertaking. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, I think it's very, very, very hard to do, um, uh, to, do to, to, to get granular enough, as you're saying, to truly um, uh, figure, figure this out. And so I know, you know, a lot of the policy folks think that's, that's just, a, that's an easy out and, yeah, uh, but but you know it's incredibly hard. I, I think it's incredibly hard to risk adjust, and you right. have all sorts of you have all sorts of um, issues that uh, that come to bear. Um, you know, years of training, uh, you know, uh, volume, um, the available support team. Meaning, suppose you're the greatest surgeon in the world, but you have you know an anesthesia a critical care anesthesia team that perhaps isn't as good. I mean, it's yeah, just, right. You know, it's just super hard to, to figure out. And the thing is, Eric, um, we have, at least we used to have, a fairly reasonable um, mechanism um, to sort out how and where to send folks. You know, we had these network of uh, independent uh, physicians who, you know, are very invested in their patients and their patients doing well. 
um, not only because they care about their patients, have you know these deep 15, 10, 15 year relationships with their patients, right? Um, but uh, you know, it's sort of the simple matter that if you have a lot of bad outcomes, if you send your patients to somebody who has a lot of bad outcomes, why will other people come to see you, right? Um, so you're super, super invested as you know, as a say, as small independent group of physicians in terms of your patients um, doing doing well, and so you, it's it it, it, it is. It, it behooves you to know who is very good at doing aortic valve surgery. It behooves you to know who is especially skilled at, you know, placing a left ventricular lead for, you know, recent coronation therapy. Or it, it behooves you to know that, okay, this person is skilled, has a terrible bedside manner, and when there's a problem, uh, you know, and the, and, and, and the patient calls that office for a problem, you know, they get nowhere, right? Right, right, right. Again, so, you know, that's the type of, granular information that your local doctor <laughs> who has a shingle out on the street, um, uh, will, will, that's the kind of information that he has uh, uh, that you have access to if you, you know, go to see him and have him be your guide, right? The right. idea that like you're going to replace that type of information uh, with some stupid, uh, you know, uh, uh, score uh, based on publicly available mortality statistics, uh, and you know what the you know what the age and the what the age and the uh, morbidity of the patients are that are coming into a certain surgeon. Uh, that 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 seems a very very heavy lift. Right, and so I I think there to give you an to give the um, the listeners an idea of what we're talking about as far as scoring system, yeah. As you can imagine, it's it's you could have a super specific scoring system. Let's say a thousand point scale. Well, that'd be almost impossible to sort of score someone. It takes so much time to actually score and yeah. you know, figure out the exact you know where you are on the thousand. You're certainly certain to die, and you're not. Uh, and so, what what every specialty has, or um, many researchers when they do papers, they have they try and evaluate and give you an idea, sort of overall sort of mortality risks for. Based on the patient, maybe their liver, their liver disease, or their uh, cardiac disease, and so I, I'll just give you an example when it comes to for anesthesia. So we have classification systems for uh, for our patients. Mm-hmm. They're called ASA, which is the American right. Society of Anesthesiology. We have basically one through six. So one is someone who has absolutely no disease at all, and so that's the totally healthy person that comes in, and you know they're just for well check or something, or maybe they're. Maybe they just have their appendix is they need an appendectomy. They might right. be a one. So right. a two is someone who's got a disease that doesn't cause any problems. It's, it's a something that's controlled. Maybe they have um, high blood pressure or some gastroesophageal reflux disease or you know something like that. That's well controlled medications. Then you move up to the third, uh, which someone with a severe systemic disease where they've got poorly controlled diabetes or high blood pressure or something. And so right away you can recognize if you, if you know nothing about medicine. There's quite a big step between two and three, right? Right. So now you go to four, and four is someone with something that is uh, has a disease that's systemic, like you know diabetes. I mean, that is a constant threat to their life. So there's potentially could die at any moment from this. And so again, that's a gigantic leap between three and four. And now you go to five, and that's someone who's basically about about dead, and they're almost certainly going to die. Right. And six is someone who's brain dead. So right. and and that's how we actually and so that's how we score all of our surgeries in our, and through the CMS. And so that right. they actually use the ASA status. And so you can see that's not a very good way of figuring out who's taking care of the tough patient because 
as you pointed out, when it comes to the difficult patient, um, the someone who's got a couple systemic diseases and they're, you know, you know, it's gonna be a tricky case, let's say right. a tricky surgery. The, that local knowledge that people have like, oh, this is the surgeon who can do this and can pull this off. You know, there's a good chance this person to die, but I, you know, it's a hundred percent chance they're going to die if it's not the best person who I have to happen to know who it is. And so, and so then that's where we get into the point where now you have these perverse incentives for the, for the healthcare system or the hospital or the surgeon or the, you know, the person, the care team because of these scoring systems. And that's where that's sort of the part of the public reporting that is the insidious part of it, right? That, that you, that you talked about in your paper. Right. Right. No, no. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, it's well said. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, it requires somebody like you, Eric, to kind of delve a little deeper than, than the, you know, the kind of these categorical responses that we, that we currently employ. Uh, so, I mean, the statisticians, I don't know. I have a tough time <laughs> understanding <laughs> a lot of what the statisticians seem to, say, seem to be saying, but the statisticians would seem to say, well, you're cat, you know, the problem is categorizing. You shouldn't categorize, mm-hmm. but it seems to me like, you know, so, if, you know, Frank Harrell is one of the statisticians who frequently is on there talking about, um, you know, all the information that's lost when you categorize. And it's what we're saying right now. I mean, we kind of intuitively understand that. Sure. Um, um, you know, I think any experienced clinician kind of goes beyond just whatever categorical risk uh, uh, scores there are. Um, uh, but um, but it seems like, you know, why 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 are they trying to? Essentially, they're trying to recreate Eric Larson from in the scores, and and they they always seem to <laughs> yeah. fall fall incredibly incredibly short uh, well, uh, of, it, of doing it, that. So. And the whole point of this whole thing, so that so the point of public reporting, of course, is to give it is to at least ostensibly is to allow people to have an idea of where they're going to get good healthcare. Right. But of course, ultimately we know that that's not really what happens. Right. I mean, so that the reason this is a problem is because now suddenly there's this incentive for the hospital to not take care of people who are potentially going to make their numbers look bad. Right. And that goes for the surgeon and that goes for, you know, the other, again, the other care teams. And it is not difficult for, for me to look at an ASA three person let's say, you know, that's that third stage where someone's got something that's not well controlled and say someone, I know a one who's very sick ASA three and I can see a very right. healthy ASA three. And so I can tell you which ones are not going to do well, which ones are going to do well. Although in using any sort of classification system you want, it's going to look kind of the same to the, to the statistician who's wherever. Right. Um, and so what it happens of course, is that it's going to cause real problems with patient care. Right. And so that's, and 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 with and the reason that the hospitals care so much is I think not real. I I probably should be careful how I say this, but I don't think outcomes are necessarily what hospitals are so worried about. They are worried more about the consequences of the perceived outcomes that they have. Yeah, right, right. I mean, the game now is you know. I mean, it's interesting. The U.S. Well, let me say first that this is why the public needs to care about this. The public needs to care about this because um, there is clearly risk avoidance that uh, takes place, whether it be subconscious or conscious, consciously by the operators that are going to get dinged if they have a bad outcome. So, if you're an operator that's going to have a bad that that is going to get dinged by something, uh, but you know because your outcomes are being publicly reported, say, um, 
you are you are simply put not going to have the same attitude towards taking care of super sick patients as you did before. And guess where the biggest gains are to be had? The biggest gains are to be had in, uh, in terms of you know uh, uh, turning things around for a patient. The biggest gains are to be had not in your ASA class one super healthy person. This person is going to do well almost yeah, regardless of exactly. what you do. Exactly. What they do, yes. Yeah, the biggest gains are to be had in those patients that you know um, are very sick. Um, you know, where, you know, if you don't do something that, you know, their life expectancy is three days, but if you do do something right, you know, their life expectancy could be 30 years. Um, and so, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of um, insidious that, you know, it actually harms uh, the, 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 the most vulnerable and the sick among us. And that's the story that I wrote. Right. So why don't you go through that story? And because I think that's really, that illuminates sort of the whole situation that we're talking yeah. about, because I think we're sort of giving sort of almost too broad a picture. And so let's right. just talk specifically why public reporting matters because it absolutely influenced this story that you're, that you wrote about. Yeah. There, you know, I had a patient, uh, a real story and, uh, you know, I got permission from, uh, the, the family to, so that I could, uh, you know, tell the real story. And it was, it was a gentleman that, uh, came in, uh, with, uh, he's a dialysis patient who came in, uh, with, uh, aortic valve endocarditis. And he was discovered pretty rapidly in the 24, 48 hours he was decompensating. And he was discovered within that time that he needed his valve fixed. There was no other treatment. His, his mortality was 100% unless his valve was fixed. And because I've been practicing, you know, for about a decade or so now, or close to a decade or so now, um, you know, for me, it was fairly automatic. This was a gentleman who needed his valve fixed and, you know, called a surgeon and surgeons, you know, would take this man to the OR and try to fix his valve. Now, he was, you know, he was in his 50s. He had a good quality of life, reasonably good quality of life before, you know, would play his guitar, uh, you know, go out to dinner with his wife. So, yes, he was on dialysis, um, uh, but but he wasn't, this wasn't somebody who was at a nursing home with a feeding tube where, you know, there was no quality of life here. This was a guy who was pretty darn functional, who had a good quality of life. And he has this acute problem that will kill him in a matter of three, four, five days unless you do something. And, you know, remarkably, um, I could not find a surgeon who would operate on him. I called, you know, surgeons at the institution where he was at would operate on him. The, 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 the larger, higher volume institution that was in the city wouldn't operate on him. Um, I called Johns Hopkins. <laughs> Johns Hopkins said, nope, we, we won't operate, uh, operate on him uh, now. And, you know, in talking to, you know, the, one of the very senior uh, cardiothoracic surgeons about what exactly, what, what's going on, um, he said, no, without a doubt, look, this is, this is a function of public reporting. I think I have a quote in the blog from him that, that says that, like, you know, yeah. uh, you know, society has to understand that there's consequences and the consequences of, um, Public reporting are are this that 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 you will turn away some folks that are super sick that have a high mortality. I mean, uh, you know, um, I think he said specifically he's a casualty of public reporting system we have in the United States. Yeah, um, a literal so, literal casualty. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, and 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 it's terrible. And you know, and Joe was his name, and, and Joe Joe died. You know, Joe died. Right. Uh, you know, within as you know, within days of of. of all these uh, turndowns. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think, and we're not going to, you know, our job as physicians is to look out for the vulnerable, for the vulnerable, look out for the sick, right? And I don't think, 
the vast majority of folks are listening or caring about this because the folks that are really getting impacted are the very, very sick, uh, uh, the, the very sick folks uh, that are, you know, the small minority. Um, also, the other thing that I, you know, that I was, that's upsetting is that, uh, that, you know, if, if it was, if it was somebody with connections, if it was some affluent person who had, well, right. you know, I mean, well, the president, let's say. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if they, if it was, yeah, if, if they, if that person was on dialysis and whatnot, you look, that person, nobody's going to turn that person away. Right. right. So that's what, that, that's what was especially upsetting. You know, we want to pride ourselves as, you know, or, you know, equal, equal this and equal that. And, but the long and short of it is, is that, look, if you're, if you're average, average everyday uh, Joe, who's very sick and has a high morbidity, high mortality, look, the health system isn't going to take, isn't going to take one on the chin for you. Is, isn't going to take the chance of taking it on the chin for you. Um, so, you know, yeah, I think it's, I think it's terrible. So I, I do think, look, I'm not, it's not that I think that the medical care is perfect. I think there's continuous improvement that can happen. It has happened and hopefully will continue to happen. And, and look, there's a lot of variability of care that exists in the United States. And some of that variability in care isn't, is, is subpar. And we have to, as a medical community, figure out a way to try to kind of, um, uh, lift, lift all these boats so that everyone, is, you know, we can try to uh, improve the kind of care that's given. But we have to do it in a way that isn't pejorative, that actually ends up harming the folks that are that most need it. So I, I think, um, you know, some system of reporting that isn't public is probably uh, the way to go. You know, some some panel of folks that uh, uh, that you know have some panel of folks that. Uh, you have to report to in terms of what happened and why this happened and whatnot. You know that would be a, a smarter, a smarter approach. Um, but unfortunately, we've kind of abdicated all of this to this, you know, this public, this public reporting model. And, and it's like it's like dogma. I don't understand it. I don't understand it at all. Right. It's like, fine, we tried it. It's 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 <laughs> it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It, it's associated with. Um, uh, bad outcomes. It's associated with risk aversion. There are surveys that are done by a number of folks and they self-report the surgeon's report. Yes, if there's public reporting, we will act differently. In New York State, when they looked at and they did this for coronary interventions, um, uh, you know, the number of people that who were presenting in shock, who were being intervened on, like dropped dramatically, right? Right. And once and once they excluded, well, you know, once they like were like, oh, okay, this is this is maybe not a good idea. <laughs> once they excluded that. Uh, you know, excluded the diagnosis of shock when you're coming in, that suddenly now, you know, they started doing more of those folks. I mean, this is incredible stuff, right? I mean, you know, uh, you're, you, people have a cow when you talk about, oh my God, fee-for-service incentivizes right. people to do this and that. You literally have a system in place that is incentivizing doctors not to take the sickest people, uh, uh, sickest, most vulnerable patients to uh, and give them therapy. And everyone is just like sitting on their hands being like, hey, well, you know. Right. <laughs> Well, and I, and I think the the an important point to to state here is that we're not talking about fetal cases. We're not talking about, yeah. uh, you know, this guy's got to get his valve done, but you know he's going to die no matter what we do. But we're just going to do something because we can do it. Like you know, that was a, what was it Obama who was talking about all the uh, right. unnecessary surgeries done and all this. Right. Stuff. I mean, it's not this is not what we're talking about. I mean, there there is definitely a line, which is why you want uh, physicians who are they're capable of saying, you know, your chance of surviving this is very low. Uh, you're and if you do survive, you're, 
recovery is going to be six months in the ICU and you'll need to, you get a trach and you get all. So your quality of life will be very low if, even if this works out well for you. And then, then people can make, you know, informed decisions of whether they proceed with the surgery or for instance, or whatever, or the, the treatment. Right. But we're talking about things that are, that are pretty straightforward. Like someone comes in, as you said, in shock. So this is someone who's had a heart attack basically or having a heart attack and they need someone to put a stent in their artery so that they could, they get blood flow to the heart and that it saves their life, but it can be risky. Right. And so, and so the, the reason that public reporting is in, so in my opinion, so I'm going to play your, your partner's part here. (laughs) (laughs) And the only reason that hospitals really care. And I would say, and most, um, most people care at this point is now those mortality scores and uh, your outcomes are uh, reflected by how much you get reimbursed from, from the government payers. And uh, it, to my knowledge, you don't, it does not affect your third party paying for commercial, but where you lie on that uh, mortality morbidity scale will absolutely affect how you are paid by the government. Right. Right. And so, there's a tremendous, and, and it doesn't just affect like just the surgery, right? It's your, all your payments to your hospital. And so there's, right. so you try and maximize, or I should say minimize your risks to poor scores. There are stories of hospitals that are pushing anesthesiologists to, uh, to change their scoring for a patient's health, right? And so, it, which is not, there's nothing wrong with that in the sense that the way we'd score one, two, or three, like I was talking about, I mean, it could, it's somewhat subject, subjective, uh, you know, if someone's a two or a three, uh, there's also a designation for E for emergency. Well, what is an emergency? Well, a surgeon thinks everything's emergency, <laughs> Nancy can say that. but uh, are there's a really an emergency is an epidectomy emergency. If it has to be done within 24 hours, you know, those there, but if you put an E on the end of it, now that helps the hospital's mortality morbidity score. So it means everything to the hospital. And so they have, committees that might form to try and make sure you're scoring properly uh, right. because their payments are dependent on it. And so, and so I wonder in many ways how much, how much physicians would care about the public reporting if they weren't being, um, there wasn't such in- external pressure on payment. Right, right. Yeah, no, uh, right. I mean. Yeah. Because then, it's, then the patients are, you know, if the patient's, and their physician, who their primary care person or whatever, their, whoever it is that recommends that that look, and like you said, your reputation as a primary care physician is entirely dependent to not only how well you treat that patient, but how, but who you send them to when there are things that are outside your specialty, right? When you, I mean, if you send people to the wrong physician all the time, well, they're not going to like you either, even right. no matter how great your bedside right. manners. Right. Exactly right. And so I wonder if it's because we have this goofy system that the public reporting is actually an issue. And I, I, do you think it'd be as, as much of an issue if it was, you know, if there wasn't this, again, this is like 10% penalty for Medicare payments? Yeah, no, I mean, I think, you know, we, I mean, this overarching theme, like I, like I said in the beginning, the over, I mean, the, 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 the reason public reporting kind of rose from the ashes <laughs> uh, <laughs> is because it's a cost. It's, it's an attempt to bend the cost curve. I mean, they may dress it up and say, Oh, it's for quality. And we want to, you know, you uh, know, we want to just, re- all we want to do is reward the best, you know, the best hospitals uh, uh, and, and help patients. And it's all about quality and safety. But really, I think everyone knows that it's about, it's about, uh, it's really about cost containment. So I, I mean, and, and, the, and the best 
the best the, the only tools that folks that think in a you know in, in a three-dimensional world they think in two dimensions <laughs> the only <laughs> the only tools that they have uh, is you know is, is 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 what we're talking about is like is pay for performance is as well we, we can measure this and this and so if we can measure it uh you know then we can base quality off of it right right uh, and and no i i so yeah i i think absolutely there's this giant amount of uh momentum towards ranking folks and valuing folks because they want to they want to they want to attach payment to it like you're saying and and if you don't if you start if you don't rank folks if you don't measure things if you don't you know um count the beans then how the heck are you going to then attach payments to that and so I don't know. I don't know how that's going to get. I mean, I, I so I agree with you. I, I mean, that that is the way it is, and there are movements afoot to try to break that. But man, it's uh, there's, there's certainly a lot of people that that uh, that aren't interested in that. Well, and and I will t- talk to people oftentimes about uh, when it comes to CMS, and that's uh, Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services. I mean, if you look even at medical education, how it's changed significantly over uh, yeah. since since uh, you and I trained, and even before we did. You yeah. talk to someone who has been in practice, let's say, thirty years, and they trained in the mid the early nineties in, in medical right. school. Right, right. They were, uh, as a medical student, they were, you know, they were doing all the notes. They were take, they were actually taking care of patients. Now they were under the, they were under the guidance of a of a resident, usually uh, someone right. who's in that specialty, right. but they were actively involved in the care of patients. You fast forward to today, and there's, I mean, the medical students are. Um, they're sort of the, the fly in the wall and, and it's not, it's not anything that they've done is, but it's because of the system that I, that I've always felt, and I, this is just pure conjecture, but I feel like that CMS would always, was always looking for ways to cut spending and that they would change the rules and hope that people would be just slow adopting them. <laughs> and so, and so for instance, you'd say, well, no longer is that medical student note adequate for documentation for what's what the patients yeah the patients care so now the res the junior resident has to write it well you know some medical schools might be a little bit slower adopting or you know private institutions and so they get dinged for their payment for a year or two and they kind of catch up and then they say well no longer the junior resident now it's got to be the chief resident and then before you know it it's now the the attending and so before you know it, the, what the medical student is doing is completely inconsequential to the care of the patient. Their contribution is really tangential at most, right? Right. And so now they, they are not participating in the care at all. Uh, and, and, there's no, and it's not because of anything that, they've, that they can't do um, because it's more just a reflection of the work needs to get done, documentation needs to be performed. And now everything's just been devalued. And, and so, and just from a time standpoint, if you're chief resident, you got to do all this stuff, this work, instead of overseeing a bunch of things and guiding people. Now you're forced to do all this sort of busy work, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Whereas, Eric, you're, you're not, you're not saying that that beautiful 12 page epic note with the real systems and like every possible documentation that you're not saying that that's, that's doesn't have value. <laughs> oh, I, I think, and I, I, I do mean, think it has value What's interesting about yeah, I know. What's interesting about that is now we produce those twelve-page H and P's, right? Yeah. But we do it in five minute in a five-minute visit. Yeah. With the EHRs, and so now, 
And so the, the quality of that 12 pages is actually, it's not worth anything because we didn't yeah. establish any report of the patient. We didn't really ask those. Well, we asked the questions, but maybe on a survey form, they filled out in the lobby yeah. or they talked to the MA. And yeah. so, uh, so there's, right. so I, I really, really despair for the, for the profession. I mean, I think we think we're advancing, but what we're really doing by, you know, we, and you're right. We've stripped medical students out of the process. Forget medical students. We've stripped residents from the process. Oh yeah, absolutely. It is, it is pretty common that I walk through ICUs now and I, the only folks I see are NPs. Right. Right. Um, and it's because, you know, we've made the job one of being, you know, clickers and, you know, mm-hmm. we got to reduce variability in care. So, you know, click, click, click and, uh, you know, put, put this protocol in and I just put this order set on. And when you make the job, when you make medicine order sets and clicks and, uh, you know, uh, making sure your discharge summaries are things and making sure your messages are checked off. And, you know, then, then everyone's happy with you. If that's what you make medicine, then you are easily replaced by a provider, you know? <laughs> well, right. You, you've devalued, you know, being a doctor. So. And, but to, to, to a, for, from a patient standpoint, the reason you should care is because you have lost the the person who's doing the diagnostician, the person who is uh, who's going to figure things out, because if you're just following an algorithm uh, yeah. all the time, you're not getting you're not going to get very you're not going to get good care. There's no. without a doubt. I mean, there's no. there's no question because and and I don't know why people have such a hard time grasping this because when I say oh you know everybody's different, they respond differently to you know medicines yeah. and stuff. They're like yeah yeah sort of, but I will say you know if you do go to an anatomy lab. It's a tremendous amount of variation you see where you know nerves are and muscles right. connect and how and people are like, really? I'm like, well, if you look at people, no one is surprised that two people don't look alike on the outside. Yeah. Yet for some reason we think everybody looks exactly the same on the inside. It's right. it's right. Right. bizarre, really. I mean, if you think right. about it for a second, you're like, oh well, of course it makes sense that everyone's different on the inside too. Which right. so you can't possibly have any sort of system. That is going to be that is going to treat everybody the same because everybody is absolutely not the same. Yeah, no, absolutely. And but but the problem is the game is we're so far we're so far gone. Meaning, we're we're so into cookbook medicine. We're so into oh, you know, the latest sepsis guidelines. Uh, you know, uh, says says we should do we should give everyone uh, thirty cc's per keg of uh, I'm making that number up uh, per of uh, of a fluid. Um, that you know, uh, so it, meaning. It doesn't matter to be like a good doctor. It doesn't matter if you're the resident or the NP or the PA or whatever. Like your job, once you see the heart rate is over 100 and they've met the two out of four SERS criteria and the <laughs> lactate has automatically been ordered and it's 2.4, um, your job now is to initiate protocol X and do right. You know, 12 things. And literally, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's the NP doing that, the PA doing that. Res- now, it, it, you would hope, you know, uh, you know that we were still living in a world where you had somebody who was using this, this, you know, their, 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 their large experience, their their understanding of physiology, their understanding of, uh, you know, anatomy or what have you to know that like, well, this person has an EF of 30% and maybe just maybe when we resuscitate this person for sepsis, we should resuscitate them differently than the 30 year old with a pneumonia. Right. Right. And again, that's, and all that is lost. It's like, well, the lactate was too, too. So, you know, that's why we, you know, we uh, initiated uh, large volume resuscitation. It's like, well, okay, good. He's in, he's in pulmonary edema. And um, I guess that's, you know, cardiology consult for me. Great. Right. <laughs> more business for you. Well, right. And you'll see definitely far more consults and, and use of specialists 
right. where before people would, I, they would be able to kind of figure things out on their own and, because, you know, that there's some common problems. And I, it's always difficult, I think, if you're looking at it from an industry standpoint, um, and I hate calling healthcare an industry, but it is, I mean, in many ways, right? It is very difficult to look at it and say, well, there are, there are absolutely some things that make things safer. For instance, uh, you know, if a pharmacist always filled out exactly what you write down, maybe you were tired and you, or your handwriting was bad, which happened all the time, right? And then someone got the wrong medication. And so by, um, by having f- electronic, you know, prescriptions and there are ways of eliminating errors that could occur. Right. And so without a doubt, those things made things safer. Yeah. The problem is, is that that was then used, those sort of, those sort of um, solutions were used in mass to try and fix all sorts of problems. And, and I think there are some problems that can be fixed with, uh, with algorithms and, you know, having a, an idea, for instance, like ACLS, right? We all kind of know how we sort of approach a code when someone's heart right. stops or, right. and those Again, although even there, there's there is definitely some problem solving that occurs, right? Why they're you know why they why the hard stop, right? You have to figure right. that out because <laughs> if you just kind of do the same thing every time, you're not going to fix. You may not you might end up providing adequate care, but it, there's a there's a balance, right? Like anything, there's there's some advantage to those sort of algorithms, but the the system is I it sounds like a the Borg or something the system, but um, these healthcare systems are so in in love with these because it makes it if they can make things standardized, it's a lot easier for them to figure out to to replace people, um, and then also just to to standardize the results, which is probably not the best for patients. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Right. The interesting thing, you know, in terms of public reporting, is that uh, the folks are probably you know, I, I, at least of what I know of it, the folks that probably do the best job is probably the U.S. News and World Report. You know, in terms of their their philosophy is not necessarily to shame you, right? That, that's the that's the that's the ProPublica approach. The ProPublica approach is like these are the these, this is terrible. Right. My God, this, this is like these are people who kill you, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This 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 heart failure program that is located in the worst socioeconomic. Uh, you know, the poorest uh, area, they have the worst outcomes. And oh my God, you know, I like clearly this is like well outside of our, you know, expected mortality. Right. And then they'll find some disgruntled like employees will say, oh, this person was <laughs> arrogant and this doc- this cardiologist was driving a Porsche. Oh my God. I- I'm, I'm, I'm putting together ProPublica and the New York Times and, and stuff. But my point is there's, there's an approach to it by certain areas of healthcare journalism that is very much into shaming. And I think that is just fundamentally bad for so many different reasons. Meaning, if you were good enough, like, you know, if Michael Jordan is allowed to be arrogant and a prick because he was so amazing. <laughs> now, if, if, if ProPublica had such an amazing algorithm that, like, it was, like, spot on, right, maybe they could run around being that arrogant about it. But they are just so <laughs> utterly bad. Like, I mean, I don't know how many people. Saurabh Jha, you know, a radiologist uh, who writes, writes a lot, he, he, he wrote a fantastic piece when ProPublica's surgeon scorecard came out. I'd urge anyone to read it and, and you know, just kind of tearing apart uh, the nonsense that uh, ProPublica uh, does. Um, but, but there's that, but that, that approach I think is far inferior to what the U S news and world report does, which is just identify, you know, the best and say, Oh, look, these are, these are outliers that look to be much better. The other reason the U S news and world report, I think 
does a much be- does a better job is because uh, you know uh, fully a, almost a third of their score is based on um, reputation. Right, so where you can refer. On, yeah, exactly. So it's based on a bunch of doctors saying, yeah. Uh, Cleveland Clinic is is awesome for this surgery, right? Right, right. So they're 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 you know the score integrates your local knowledge. <laughs> yeah, uh, it integrates the local knowledge that that exists about who who's who's good and who's bad, and and that's you know that's yeah I mean that's probably not a you know a bad way to do it. Though I would argue that you know why do we need why do we need the, why do we need the extra data points if that's probably the most important thing, uh, right? of it all so right i think and i think a good way a good parallel to this is if you look at education um i think we all just like i'm here trying to talk about state that people are different as far as well how well they can take care of themselves and how they respond to treatments and you know um that the gradation system is very complicated it's it's exactly the same in education right i mean you could have a fantastic teacher in a situation where with the uh, classroom of students who you know families are a disaster. They're not, maybe not eating enough food and they're coming in hungry. They're not sleeping. There's, you know, gunfire outside the house, whatever. And so there's no way that kid is going to do well. And any scoring system you have is not going to, is, is not going to be fair. Uh, And, and, and to try and, to try and grade between teachers. Well, it's, I think it's oftentimes it's more reflection of what's going on elsewhere. I mean, there's no question there's a difference in quality of teachers, but to try and use standardized scoring or some sort of blunt measure is probably not the best way to figure it out. But if you talk to people whose kids went through that school, they're going to know who the good teachers were. Right. I mean, for the most, right. you talked about 10 parents, they're going to know the bad ones and the good ones that you could have. I don't know what the state scoring system is, but you don't really care about it because you know that because you know with the local, like you said, the local knowledge of people who went through the school or knowledge of the school, right. they'll know the, the right places. And so, that's a far more effective way, but of course, with funding that comes from outside of their uh, outside of the, either this would be from usually state funding or something. And so they have to have they feel there's some there has to be some sort of way of scoring things to for payment to punish people who are bad. But they probably it's just it's because the money comes from so far away from people who have no way of having local knowledge that there's just no f- adequate way that they can actually do that similar to from dc trying to send money to a hospital in you know billings montana yeah yeah exactly and as soon as as soon as that happens as soon as you get i think you get all sorts of gaming and you know i mean i you know the 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 payers are i mean the payers in the sense are responding to you know signals that you know they're being they're being kind of taken for a ride and this is their (laughs) way of pushing back it's just you know a silly system that dr akkad is constantly trying to completely blow up. I just want to blow it up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it just, yeah, he's willing to go in with a nuke. I think, uh, and and I don't know. Maybe that's the way to do it. Yeah. I'm not, I don't. I'm not sure. I sometimes yeah. you know, nibbling may not work very well. Uh, so I appreciate you you coming on and talking about the public reporting. Uh, super interesting. I I hope people understand kind of what we're talking about because again, it's it it absolutely affects if you're not someone who's really sick. I guarantee you, you have a relative, a great aunt or grandfather or someone who's, or someone ends up in the ICU. These things are really important. And if you have people who just throw up their hands like, well, you know, sorry, there's nothing we can do when there probably was something they could do. Well, that's, I mean, that's more important than ProPublica saying, oh, this place is terrible. If there's some place that's not even, that's just willing to just give up right away. And that's, 
And that's why this is super important. I don't know what to do about it. <laughs> I can't <laughs> offer any solutions. Sometimes you're like, there's a legislative, like we just changed this law. Here, I, don't, I mean, if you got rid of public reporting, I still think CMS is going to have, they're still going to have some sort of system where they're going to penalize or because they want to try and save money. Like you said, bending the cost curve. They want to try and find ways to uh, people to pay less. <laughs> So. Yeah, it's a, it's a, uh, yeah, it's a certainly a vexing, vexing problem that uh, does not have any, <laughs> does not have any easy solutions. But, so for, so for listeners who are interested in reading more of your stuff, <clears throat> what's the best way to sort of find your your writing? Um, I guess Google. Uh, if you go, <laughs> <laughs> well, they just if end up in healthcare grades. Yeah, if you go to, exactly. If you go to, um, you know, if you go to, if, uh, if you go to the healthcareblog.com, um, they, I think there's a author search there where you can search by by name. But and what's your uh, Twitter handle? Oh my, sorry, my Twitter handle is uh, Anish underscore uh, Koka. So A N I S H underscore K O K A. So and that's probably the best way, right? Just kind of because you yeah. sort of link to your stuff and then other yes. things there. And, right. right, exactly. You know, since you're you're uh, you're Twitter Twitterer. Um, <laughs> cool. Well, again, thanks so much, and I yeah, recommend sure. everyone catch the uh, Akkad Koka report. Um, I've had a cod and I've had coca, so I don't know. If you guys had another person. I guess I'll have to have you on too. But, uh, thanks again so much. And uh, I hope that we can maybe someday figure out what better way to, uh, to report things. Yeah, absolutely. Eric, thanks for, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to The Paradox. If you like what the doc is doing, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher and share the show with your friends. Become a supporting listener to get access to special bonuses at patreon.com forward slash the paradox. Show notes can be found at theparadox.com. <laughs>